My good friend Rick Sumo Hi everybody Has never ever ever done a live podcast until today Round of applause for Rick um, Thank you everyone His first ever live podcast. You haven't heard it yet, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. <laughs> so, um, Rick doesn't know what he's doing. I really don't know what I'm doing. But first of all, can I do an intro? Is that of course okay? You can. Sorry. Crack on. Is it recorded? It's your night. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, this is really embarrassing. And thank you all so much for coming. And I'd like this not to be about a book, because. That was like a lockdown project that got out of control and I'm literally really, I'm trying to find the word all day to describe it and I think embarrassed is the, the word that I keep coming back to. It's really embarrassing. So thank you all for being so nice about it. Um, thank you for Rick for wanting to do a podcast about it. Thank you for coming tonight about it. And um, it would be good if uh, we we're just going to talk about old days and old things. Forget about books. Um, I'm not here to sell books, although there are some hardbacks available um, just behind the counter. If anyone would like a nice Christmas present for somebody and you were sad that the hardbacks are all sold out because they're so good and popular, then there is a handful left, almost as if I planned it. But let's forget about books and forget about sumo, maybe. It's just so nice to see everybody because we are at an age... I do go on, don't I? We are, I? we are at an age where we're a bit older and we don't go out and we don't see each other as much. And we're at a point where it's like, what? Weddings and then it's going to be funerals. So let's just, it's just really nice to see everybody. So thanks for coming. And welcome to the first ever live Rick Baker podcast. Hi, everybody. I'll try my hardest not to, uh, to drag this out. I understand that you all might have lots of questions and will probably be interested for a bit, but at some point you just want to get gonna get pissed and hang out with your mates, so um, I won't drag it out for too long. Uh, but if you bear with us, I think we'll have some interesting stories, some things to talk about. Me and Phil, as you may or may not know, worked together for a long time. We've been friends for a long time, so we could talk for a long time. I'm going to try my hardest to, to keep a lid on it. Uh, and try to keep it interesting. So that, thanks for coming. Um, and although Phil was like, yeah, this, no, this is about getting together and friends and it's not about a book. I mean, the reason we're all here is because of a book. So I think we'll, we'll probably talk about that for a bit, if that's okay. I don't even know how to sit. How do you, how do you sit at a thing like this? I don't, I don't know how to write a book, let alone have a book pie. And Dana said, if you two are just going to talk for an hour, that's going to be so boring. So... Yeah. I joked about putting a timer up, didn't I? Yeah, we probably should have. I've got a, a, a watch, especially. I have a so, watch, yeah, okay. There we are. So what on earth possessed you to write 500 words about sumo? 500 words? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a lockdown project. Um, do I look at you or do I look at everybody? Whoever you want. It was a lockdown project that got a bit out of control and um, uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And then... Um, it started off as a quite a... <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> it started off as like a really um, interesting creative thing and then it turned into a massive admin task that I didn't enjoy. And then my boss gave me his old PlayStation 4. Um, so I just stopped it for a year. <laughs> um, so uh, it, took, it took forever. It took so long. And then my wife broke her ankle... Well, she didn't break her ankle, but it, it was really badly damaged because she fell over a bar stool in the kitchen. I don't know how that happened. Uh, and, and Claire was, she had a foot up, 
like covered in ice and peas. This is this is true. There's a point to this. Yeah. Um, and she knacked her foot. And it was like a Sunday afternoon. So I said, look, I'll just take the kids out for the day. Just keep your foot up, elevated. Um, and, I, and what I'd done at the same time as that is I'd finished the book. I've had three of these beers. These beers are fucking lethal, Dan Briggs. Keep going. So, um, so I'd printed the book. I'd finished the book, right? Yeah. And then I'd printed it on A4 paper at service point, yeah. like we used to do. And um, like, like Nigel had printed it. It cost me fucking 30 quid. And it for, was like, for the 90% of people in the room that didn't work at 10 feet tall, service points where we used to get stuff printed. They used We're to print our posters. Yeah, to yeah. make these references relevant all night. Yeah. yeah. So I'd, I'd finished it and I'd printed it. And I thought it would just be a thing for me. I thought it would be interesting. Yep. And it would just maybe live in the loft. And I said to Claire, do you want to read that like while we're out? And bless her, she sat there for eight hours and she read it front to back and she said, it's fucking brilliant. I was like, no. But the thing about Claire is, like, she's so honest. Like, if I buy a jumper, she's like, that's, oh, that's awful. <laughs> like, just put it in the bin and I'll put it in the bin because she knows and she's very, very honest with me. Uh, and that's where it kind of went from there, really. I thought, mm-hmm. well, uh, she would tell me if it was shit. So. Yeah. But what was the motivation behind going, I want to I wanna get all this on paper? Was it... Was it for, for, your, for your kids. I mean, I wrote a book about fucking plug or what, but... Um, Rick wrote a book. I wrote, yeah, I wrote a book about... It's really being, good. Like, getting signed in a really shit band and the tribulations of, of touring shitholes for a year um, and playing drums in a death metal band that not that many people cared about, but I wrote it because there was loads of stories that I used to tell people when I bumped into them that I, I thought were quite funny and I was really worried that when, I, when I'm 19 I got dementia that I'd forget all of these stories. So I got them down on paper so that I could reflect on them. Um, is, is that why you wrote a book? I is like that, that you took it back to getting old and death because that's coming for us all. I'm sorry. Um, so uh, I was in a, I work at like a tech company and it's all, it, it, it's all, I mean, I'm just making it up as I go along, but these guys are all quite proper and we have proper meetings in big glass meeting rooms. And there's a guy up from London and he, um, was chatting about Middlesbrough, and he said, oh, yeah, I used to live in Middlesbrough, actually, but I live in London now. So my boss said, uh, oh, Phil used to, like, run the empire in the corner house, you know. And this guy, we're all, like, 44, 45-year-old people, and this guy said, said, oh, the corner house, was that where everyone got the haircut? (laughs) There was, like, a club night, and everyone, like, got the haircut. And that was, like, that was, like, a two-hour thing of a a six-hour thing. And um, it just, it got me thinking that, there's loads of stories like that. There's yeah. maybe 20, 20 of those stories. So maybe I could write a blog. I'm still finding this really weird. <laughs> I don't know how to sit. Don't. So sorry. sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. so fucking weird. Uh, and yeah, so I thought it could be a blog. Yeah. Or it could be a... Uh, is it an hour yet? Um, <laughs> yeah, and it just it turned into a book. <laughs> Someone write blogs anymore? Is that a thing? <laughs> like, or is it just vlogs on YouTube? I'd I don't know. I don't know. I can't keep up. But you know what I did? I found Haxed. Yeah. Who remembers Haxed? Hands up. Some audience participation, keep everybody engaged. So, Haxed was like, uh, there was like Haxed and the new Leviashin Forum. Who remembers the new Leviashin Forum? Yeah, shout out Henry. So, yeah, so uh, that was like the source of truth. Yeah. Um, uh, And Haxed is still there. And God bless Haxed and and, and K-Line and Ash and all those people. Remember Ash, yeah. They just kept it there. It's not deleted. So, every set list, every gig, every, you know, just stubsy writing stuff forever it's all there it's yeah. me it's like a nice little archive of 
of history. I think, yeah. I think sumo was interesting. I think, do you think that there was any other club nights across the country that kind of captured what we managed to capture? Do you know of any? We travelled around. We did a lot of research of other nightclubs around to maybe pinch their ideas. But um, yeah, so I couldn't. I could never find any that were doing it quite the way we did. Maybe it's some our boss, Graham. Yeah. Hello, Graham. If you're listening, Graham used to. Was that what noise was that? <laughs> um, so so Graham would always say it was <laughs> like, what what's the thing like we should be doing, the biggest and the best things, and he was always kind of challenging us in a good way looking back in a good way um, to, to do like the biggest and best things we could. So we, like Rick and I and, and Dana and, and loads of people in this room who worked there, we would constantly look like what's happening in Ibiza, what's happening in New York, what's happening in London. As like yeah. cheesy as it is, but we used to sit there and Google that all day. Yeah. And it was like, it was just the same stuff. It was like form party, 80s party, 90s party, VIP party. It was so boring. And um, so yeah, I think, I think that what Borough had, <laughs> I keep kind of catching myself that this is so weird. Uh, I think what Borough had was mint, wasn't it? And it was absolutely class and it yeah. was a bit unique. And the other thing that happened, and I mentioned this in the book, if anyone's managed to get through it all, well done, um, is that um, we would constantly have a stream of people who would go away because these 18-year-olds who would come to our nights would turn 21 and they'd all fuck off to uni, to yeah. Leeds, to London, or wherever. And it would be like, yeah, I'm never coming back here again. Like Teesside, I'm, you, they would have like the leaving party and the be in the lounge and they'd had all the Empire specials and they'd had the Black Russians and they were fucked. And they were like, see you later, Borough. Yeah. Like I'm getting out of this shit small town because I'm going to Newcastle. Like, whoa, get you. <laughs> Fuck. You know, like, wow. Um, and then you'd see them in a year and they were like, there's nowhere like this. Like, I'm so glad to be back in Borough. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Dana, Dana said I was a little bit harsh on the Empire in the book and I had to tone it down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, they, were, they were a fucking nightmare sometimes. Yeah, but, um, I it, it, for that. I'm really glad that she very kindly read it early days and kind of gave me loads of feedback, as a few people did here, thanks. Because um, uh, it... it it was easy to forget, like, like how good it was, if you know what I mean, when I was bitching about it yeah. in the first draft, which was a lot more bitchy, I'll be honest. Yeah. I toned it down a bit. Um, so All did right. that answer your question? What was your question? I think so. I can't remember. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's interesting that you make that point, though, because the end of Sumo itself was a bit strange. It was a bit mad in controversy. You've the, gone there. Quite f- huh? You've gone there. I've gone where? There. I don't know. Sorry, go on. Oh, I thought you made my microphone. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I can hear it. Am I, am I hallucinating? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, um, we're going straight there. But so, um, I guess my point is lots of people probably had questions about, like, what happened, why it happened. I'd, I'd obviously left working for 10 Feet Tall at this point, and I just saw, like, a shit storm on the internet, basically, and probably rang you and went, what's going on here? Um, but I think it was interesting to see it in, in paper. And you mentioned in the book, even just writing it down, it actually felt quite pedestrian and a bit like bit funny. But at the time, it was like like some shit had gone down because we were all, whether we like it or not, really connected to Sumo, whether we still went or not. Um, I think the interesting thing about Sumo is that everybody felt connected to it in some way really personally, a lot more than other club nights. You mentioned about people disappearing and going to other crazy big cities. I thought it was a big shock because I moved to Leeds, which is an hour's drive away. Um, 
and I think about a week, I, I actually had my leaving party, Skindred plays in, um, in the corner house. Um, did some, had some shots with Benji, thought I was a rock god. And, uh, and probably like the next week he came back for sumo because I was like, it's quite good in Leeds, but all my mates are like, still up here. Um, so yeah, so my point was that, that people, for whatever reason, feel really personally connect, connected to sumo. Um, and I, I'm still not quite sure how we managed to do that. And, and how we managed to kind of gather people in that in that insane scene and, and get all those feelings. So when it did go tits up, um, a, there was a lot of emotion behind all of those posts and perhaps people like the Empire who, you know, were like, oh, we'll just take this thing because it's all right. Like, it's, ju- it's just a name. It was actually much more of a name, really, wasn't it, to a lot of people? And that's why a lot of people got upset, I think. Um, so, yeah. So d- how, how did you manage to create that magic sauce for Sumo? Was there a recipe? Do you, do you know? Did it just happen by chance? Do you mean sumo sauce or like the magic sauce? The magic sauce. I, I don't want to know about your disgusting burger sauce that you make. <laughs> no, su- sumo sauce was the thing. It was funny because Dana and I saw um, Basecamp selling sumo sauce and we laughed, didn't we? Dana, Dana invented sumo sauce, which you know because you've all read the book. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I, know, I know what you mean. And I think like to, to not wanting to be, I'm still like mortified and embarrassed and cringing myself inside out. Honestly, I swear. I know, uh, yeah, I'm still like mortified by the whole thing. So not wanting to discredit us or everything we did. Like yeah. Loads of us here were like the team. But um, I think we got lucky in a bit of the way because it was like, it was pre, there's no such thing as like TikTok or Snapchat or Facebook and people were just freer and people were just a lot less, less self-conscious and don't laugh i've had three of these crazy beers i can't talk so um and guitar music was just mad popular and people just wanted to go out and get fucked up and you didn't matter what um your hair looked like and i mentioned this there was there's a definite turning point for me because we used to buy a lot of hats and we used to give everybody hats because hats if you buy enough of them from china on the internet they're really cheap and people would love a free hat so there was a point, there was a turning point, I think, in civilization, bear with me here, where you would give out free hats and there would be a queue of people like, oh my God, free hats. Like, please, please, can I have one? How much do you want? How much are the hats? Like, I was in the Empire Cellar one Christmas mooching around for something else and I found this box of fucking sprouts and VK had sent these, it was like a, a big cotton sprout that you attached under your neck with a little Velcro bit. And I said to Peter Hope, legend, legendary assistant manager, assistant to the regional manager of the Empire, I said to Peter, what are these sprouts? He's like, mate, they've been down here for four years. These are the most embarrassing things in the world. Nobody would want to put a sprout on their head. And I fucking carried these boxes. I dusted the rats, get the rats off the boxes. I took them upstairs, and there was a queue of people like, oh, my God, can I have a sprout? Um, And everybody wanted one, right? And there was a turning point in the world, uh, I think about 2011, um, where people would want to put something on their head and then the next day, nobody wanted to put anything on their head because they'd done the hair, they'd done the makeup, they wanted to get that perfect selfie and, and, and kids wanted, sorry, kids, right. were just, were just so 
aware of themselves and how they looked and how they looked to other people. And we didn't have that. I'm generalizing everybody in the room here as old. I'm sorry. But we didn't give a fuck, did we? It didn't matter. No. Um, and all of a sudden, they became so self-aware. So my amazing wife, Claire, who I might have mentioned already. So Claire was running the Wednesdays at Cannonball in Yarm. And she was like, yeah, this week it's a toga party. And then the next week, it's like dead celebs. And everyone came dressed as fucking Kurt Cobain. Yeah. And then just one Wednesday, she was like, oh, this is the theme. And everyone was like, yeah, fuck off. I'm not dressing up. <laughs> like, are you yeah. mad? And she was like, well, what happened? And I think um, people changed. The world really changed. self-aware. Mm. Yeah. I think something shifted within music as well. Yeah. Um, I think there, there, was, there was an interesting point where, and the Kev, Craig, everybody else that DJed in Sumo will understand it. It's like when, when Sumo first launched, people give more of a fuck about music, but it was also a bit harder to, to find. I think people were more interested in new music and willing to let the DJs have a, have a bit of space and, and play some new stuff. And then as the internet and music on the internet became more and more accessible and people's tastes like completely diversified and then maybe weren't being fed a lot of stuff through, the, through MTV2 or Kerrang! Or, or whatever it was. These were TV channels for the people under 20 or whatever in the room at the minute. Um, I think that really like affected Sumo as well. We, there was a, we'd question what we were playing a lot of the times. And you know, sometimes we'd only get away with playing Limp Biscuit songs that were 10 years old because music, like the, the way that people consume music shifted. So it was really hard to gauge what people cared about because everybody's taste all of a sudden became really, really niche, really individualized. And, and yeah, so I, I think that perhaps led to I, I don't know. Is there any rock nights in Middlesbrough anymore? I, I'm I'm not sure. I, th I think there's one. Sinners. Yeah. Sorry if I'm insulting. No, <laughs> no. I'm told it's I'm told no. it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it's great, but um, but I w I wouldn't want to come up with a music policy even if I was 20 because I think people are just so into so many different things. So I think we I think timing with Sumo was was really important with us. Um, yeah. Yeah, you did right. I think that goes back to what we we're saying about getting lucky. Like yeah. no credit to us at all I yeah think, uh, well a little bit of credit but we got really lucky and I remember talking to Craig and Kev when I was putting the book together about like people would come at the DJ box and say oh what's this and you would tell them the song and then they would like go and get it whereas all that stopped because everything just became like loads more readily available yeah to yeah. the world is everybody okay is this boring yet should we open the box is everybody all right is this interesting Aaron's got a thumbs up. Good. I've got like two two questions before we before we get to. The I box. can talk. Or I can talk I for days. I'm me. really like, concerned. Me and Phil have known each other for a long time, and as I said earlier, we could talk for. Everybody days. shifted really uncomfortably. Yeah, then. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. going to fucking Don't keep worry. going. We're not going to. Um, what What did you leave out of the book? Was there anything in there that you thought that you're going to tell everyone tonight that you thought I can't let thousands of people read this? Gives a gives a juicy story. That's a good question, Rick. Thanks. Um, I took loads out of the book because, um, oh, how should we answer this question? Um, so, um, if anyone's finished it right. <laughs> There's a group of people that know what went on in the empire there. <laughs> all going, is he going to say it? Is he going to say it? I don't even know what it is, but I'm glad that you're all enjoying this. They know. So, like, I'll be honest with you, and I've had so many really, really nice messages from people about the book saying, oh, the book's really good, really, uh, and like, I really, really appreciate it, but... Um, the thing that was stopping me put it out is, uh, how do I say this? So really, quite typically, right, towards the end, I make it a bit about me, don't I? 
And I'm sorry about that. And it's like, oh, it's the story of Sumo, it's the story of the Corn House, and the story of the Empire. And then it becomes a bit about me. But I guess that what happened was um, when it all started and we were all kind of in it together, it was a really happy, amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And we were just doing it. I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, and just then, tell us what you left out. And then, um, was that, was that what the question was? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's the question. So I guess that what happened was towards the end of it, towards the end of that journey, it became yeah. hard work yeah. and it became solid and it became a case like there's a, there's a few, good few hundred people less going to this thing paying five quid. Yeah. So whereas we used to sit, we used to sit and count like 10 grand at the end of the night mm-hmm. in that tiny office and it would take forever and yeah. we really wanted to just get to the bar but with Johnny Westwood you were sat there you just counting the fucking money it took forever I was 18 I was trying to think how I can get 10 grand out the back of the line, <laughs> <very much. laughs> it never crossed my mind <laughs> and all of a sudden you know cashing up became a lot quicker you could get to the bar a lot quicker and um, you know the, 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 the pressure of having to provide that party became yeah. a lot more and I think the night became harder the world changed Yada yada. So, um, I think I got in the original draft of the book. Yeah, it was a lot more personal. It was a lot more raj, and it was a lot more like um, sad at the end. Okay. Um, but like, if anyone ever wants to put a book out, if you go over five hundred pages, it costs loads more money <laughs> to print. So um, I was like, oh, okay. So I just d- deleted loads of emo shit from the end. Okay. And I think it's a better thing for it. Yeah. Did that answer the question? You didn't tell me any specific stories. There's no, there's no gossip. All there. right, I'll tell you the story, right? I've got an amazing story. So I'll tell you this one, right? So, um, so all, I'm going to kind of answer your other question as well, which I didn't do. And um, so I left Sumo and the Empire and went and got a different job. And I didn't have anything to do that anymore. I didn't set foot in the Empire for about a year, right? And then, should I, can I tell this story? I'll tell the story. I can delete it out of the recording. You can edit it out, right? Um, so I'd been out of it for about a year, and then the Empire were like, oh, we're just going to like fire 10 feet tall, and we're just going to do like a Saturday ourselves. We're just going to do a Friday ourselves. Do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. Like, you know who else would do it? So I was like, oh, I'll have to fucking do it. So I did it. And then um, it all went a bit tits up with Facebook because there was this Facebook page called Sumo and it had 25,000 likes. Yeah. And like, ironically, I worked at a social media company at that point. I was running like million pound campaigns for Domino's Pizza and Costa Coffee and Anytime Fitness. And I'm not being a dick, but I knew a lot about Facebook and I knew that this 25,000 fan Facebook, it didn't mean shit because it's to do with algorithms and ads and common interests. Anyway... So we got into this mad internet fight over this Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And it was quite public. It was very, very, it got played out in public. Uh, and I imagine there was like, Graham really should have had the Sumo Facebook page. Yep. And the Empire, which includes me, because at that point I was the Empire. I was the evil Empire just as much as you, missus. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, we fucking, we, we didn't steal it, but like, just think about who has your passwords. It's just a life rule. So um, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, very rightly said, 10 feet tall, this is your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. You should have this. Yeah. Um, so that was that. And then there was an Instagram. 
Now, Instagram wasn't owned by Facebook. It was a completely independent thing. Yeah. And 10 Feet Tall's next thing was, we need to get this Instagram page because Fang Fridays, which was me and Kev and Dana and everybody and Danny, it was just sumo. Yeah. Um, we were just, yeah, we had that Instagram page and, and 10 Feet Tall didn't and they really, really wanted it. Yeah, have people put things in the box? I'm, I'm excited. I think you should rip it open. It's your box. Is everyone okay for 10 right. more minutes? I'm sorry. Well, these are all by all these people, so they're going to be excited to get into this, hopefully. Take your time. This is like watching my one-year-old open a Christmas present. <laughs> you, mean you just kind of want to do it for them. Yeah, you did a good job. I knew you'd be prepared. When I texted you asking some questions about tonight, I was like, why am I even asking him? Do you know what they say? There was an audible sigh. And the amount of them came At out. the amount. Here we go. Okay. Okay. So we got someone on the email QR code. Okay. And I got loads in advance, so I printed them out like a good boy and cut them up. And they're here. Do you want to read some? And I'll read some, yeah. and we can talk about them. You're the only person I know that has a printer. There's a good... <laughs> I'm old. There's a good one. Was there any other bands that you could have booked for Sumo turned down for them... Sorry, okay, right. This, this grammar on this is awful. Was there any other bands that you could have booked for Sumo you turned them down but they then went on to become massive? Don't know, what's there? Nah, we, we, I think we booked them all. I can't think of any. I don't know. Gallows, Let Live... Kind of did it. It was good. There was, there was, a, there was a point. You'll know this one because you've all read the book. But um, there was a point where Ash, Ashley Wem, Middlesbrough Kingpin, very, very hardworking man who... What are you laughing at, Dana? Ash runs the Empire and he does a really good job. And it, the Kingpin. <laughs> it's a stretch. Um, but yeah, it, like, so when Ash took over the Empire, he went like absolutely mad for like live bands He's like, I want it to be the number one destination for live music in Teesside. And he knew he wanted play back on a Saturday night and he wanted Sumo on a Friday. And he's like, if, look, if I can book a load of guitar bands, um, that's going to help the club nights out. It's going to help me out. They kind of establish the place. Because it was Sugar Shack. Like, the Empire was just known for, like, Judge Jules, Lisa Lashes, Boy George. So, um, <laughs> what? That's not funny. It's true. It was, it was a house music destination, right? So... Um, he said, look, I've emailed all these bands, I've emailed these agents, and he did, he just went, ma it, it was like Dragon Force. Yeah. Um, I think I stage managed that, yeah. Yeah, there was, um, it would help if I had the list of bands, but you know there was just loads of mint gigs, Alkaline Trio, uh, Enter Shikari, Gallows, and they were all Ash's bookings, and we were just about to start Sumo, and he was like, look, I've got these three gigs. He's like, there's a guy called Slash, <laughs> but he has a band, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Slash would be really good. And he kind of had it. So he had Slash, Deftones, and Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, yeah. And he had them all within about four months of each other. And I was like, mate, you've, you've got to like, make it happen. Yeah. But as just sometimes goes, it didn't happen. Yeah, it was a good story, wasn't it? Fucking hell. <laughs> What's next? Moving swiftly on. Claire, your wonderful wife. How many pizzas did you buy on a night? And how many actually made it to the people once you'd bought them from the pizza shop and took them over? To either the corner or the Empire? 
Uh, yeah, we, we would buy about 20 pizzas. Yeah. We would go five to the Dorman. I was going to say, the Dorman, like, it was a, it was a, an art just getting it past them anyway, wasn't it? You had to give enough to appease them, but also not wipe out your 20 pieces because five Dorman could put away 20 pieces, really, can't they? So. And the Dorman was so nice. It was nice to, re- like, re- 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 um, what's the word? Reward. Reward the Dorman with pizza because they were so nice to you guys. Uh, Robbie Major says... When you said Graham watched all of Anchorman and didn't laugh once, that was the most <laughs> hilarious part of the book. Yeah, it's true. Your turn. I remember that. He was, he was yeah. I'm going to scrabble through. Graham's got a very, shit. like, unique sense of humour. He's a very um, You mean that he doesn't unique. have one? No, no, he does. No, he does. He does. I'm joking. I've got a lot of love for Graham. Oh, he's yeah. very, um, he's just different. This isn't really a question. It's more just a statement from, from Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte. Charlotte ran our office in a magnificent way. I, I'm going to interject with a story about Charlotte, actually. Sorry, Charlotte. But um, when I was 17, I worked at a, a little place called Garland's, which some of the older people in, in here might remember, yeah? Um, Charlotte worked at Garland's, and she was the person at Garland's that fired everybody. So we were, we were all terrified of Charlotte. <laughs> she was. I was looking true. for you there. <laughs> yeah. So one, one day... Um, my, my energetic 21-year-old self, or however old I was, I bounced into the 10 feet tall office, and all of a sudden, Charlotte sat at the desk. And I'm like, oh, she's here. <laughs> the Grim Reaper. This is it. Like, my job's gone. Everyone's <laughs> like, this is Charlotte, the office manager. And I'm like, fuck. They, they used to call her the Grim Reaper at Garland's. So that's Charlotte. So anyway, so Charlotte's statement was, um, Charlotte couldn't get a 20-pound budget for some comedy good posters versus the continuous stream of shit that got bought for Sumo all of the time. Yeah, we felt for you. I'd, like, I'd burn through 20 quid on a piñata. An Sh- empty piñata, by the way. I started to go out and buy the sweets for another 20 quid. Charlotte wanted some hats for New Year's Eve, so it was like the Thistle Hotel, jury's in, 350 tickets. It was like 25 quid a ticket. And Charlotte was like, can we get some hats? Because it's like New Year's Eve. And the boss was like, no. We bought like 200 hats a week. Sorry, Charlotte. You can have. I'm, I'm just stealing. All, you can see that I'm stealing the best Should ones. Should we go to laptop? Because laptop might be people from the room that actually. You know, yeah, that's a good con- one. Con- contributed. Got a laptop. I'll read this one while you sort the laptop out. Okay, thanks, Rick. Paul Gent. Genty. Hi, friends. We met working at Garland's. There we are. Um, why did the bouncers. Wait, 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 wait. Did Genty get fired by Charlotte? No, I didn't. He lasted oh, much That would be fucking awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, not awesome, but like funny. Why did the bouncers hate people standing in the red corridor? It was the place to be, and I used to hate being moved on. True story, I love that red corridor. Why, why did the bouncers... I, I, I was too drunk to pay attention to the bouncers in the car in those days. So, um, I think it was just that they had nothing better to do, and they were just a bit mean, weren't they? The corner house bouncers. Sorry, Simon, I think it was called, head doorman. Yeah, they were just a bit bored and just wanted to shout at people for stuff. Okay. You pinching the good ones. Just while you're firing no, up the laptop. Fine. You go, you go. Can I read this one? Of course you can. Right, so there's a guy that messaged in say that. So there's a bit in the book where there's a band called Men, Women and Children who had a bit of a gangbang backstage. And certain members of the band were just shagging loads of people. And that's in the book, right? So Abs, A-B-Z, writes in. I feel like Philip Schofield on Going Live. You don't remember that because you're not old. So Ab says, I was disappointed to read about the men, women, and children episode. I was chatting to the drummer outside the club. 
We got on quite well, and we bonded over a dislike of Jared Leto. He stuck me on the guest list for the show the following day and said we could hang backstage. (laughs) I declined because I was going go-karting with my friends in Sheffield. If I'd have known 15 years later I'd passed up on a ticket to an orgy, then I would have gone. And she said she wouldn't have gone go-karting. I say she, could be he, I don't know. She missed out, I think. That was a good one. Uh, Anonymous says, referring to page 339, do you really shower, shit, and then shave? No. Not one to judge, but that's some routine. (laughs) No, I don't do it in that order. You shit first, right? Do you shit first? (laughs) Shit, shower, shave. Yeah, there's typos. Thanks, Anonymous. Um, I've got a... So Danny Jones is in Spain. Danny Jones says, sorry, in Spain. I'm sure he's got Hard life. Um, So this is Danny Jones's You Missed This One list. Danny Jones says, do you remember the Empire Hack when you could buy a full-size bottle of wine for nine quid in the lounge? Um... We booked a Christmas rodeo reindeer for 400 quid, but it was just a rodeo bull and they'd super glued some antlers on it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Um, we had Lucy and the Fuel Girls at Sumo covering themselves in bottles of Jack Daniels. I asked them for a swig. It was called Black Tea. Mythbuster. They once um, destroyed one of John Tasker's lights. Yeah. Sorry. Don't fire breathe past this line. First song, I was like, yeah. okay, goodbye, thousand pounds to Empire. So I'll give you some context for this next one, right? So uh, Animals v Machines, everyone's second favorite night in Middlesbrough. There was like a little second room and we used to do different things in there. So we'd have like a drum and bass room or we did a night where just me and Kev only played songs by NoFX and Rancid. Yeah, yeah, it was like it was it was like a thirty capacity little room, and it was like you could do anything you wanted in there. So me and Danny decided to play only hip hop music by female artists, which seemed like a good idea. I wanted to call it Big Booty Bitches, <laughs> and Danny said we shouldn't do that. Thank God. Remember when we were talking about things that you couldn't get away with? Now it was a different time, guys. It was a different dinner's dying. I'm pitching one of yours. The good thing about Dana coming in, right, was she's, she was very young and she was very woke. And Dana was like, no, don't look at me. Dana was like the barometer of all things. So she would keep, she would keep us right. Um, I'm still heartbroken. I didn't win the sumo car. Who didn't win the sumo car? Oh. It's a room full of people. Are we okay for five more minutes? Is everyone all right? You can still go to the bar and eat pizza and stuff, you know, and like, look at all those cakes. It cost me a bomb. Get them down, you. Fucking hell. Uh, Aaron Shave says, if there were a sumo all day or music live return organized this year, who would be the type of headliners and up and comers you would look to book in 2022? I have no idea. Yeah, I'd ask. I'd ask. I only listen to music from 1997. (laughs) Stone Temple Pilots would be pretty good, I think. Sorry, Aaron. 
Aaron's got three questions there. He does, yeah. So in, in Aaron's opinion, AVM and Uncle Albert's were his favourite places to go. Good shout. I only spent four years working on Sumo. Um, <laughs> any chance of an Albert's versus Machines one-off? This is it. <laughs> you That's the answer to that. So we did, um, uh, Kevin, Danny and I did like a one-off, like emo night at the Empire called Thanks for the Memories. We were going to call it the Black Parade, but someone had beat us to it. There's like a national thing that tours up and down the country called the Black Parade. It's just a fucking guy with a laptop. Mm. He's making so much money. Fuck that guy. Good night. Um, yeah, nost- nostalgia sells. Aaron's final statement is, Phil is such an inclusive guy, he even got a dyslexic guy to proofread his book. <laughs> Hashtag equality for everyone. That explains the typo, doesn't it? It does, right? And like, so all credit to Claire who read the book and Dana who read the book and Kev who read the book. Um, so I actually phoned my friend Kia. Shout out to Kia if you're Hi, listening. Kia. So Kia, wife of Ian, the amazing drummer. I was at that wedding. They got to say, I, Kia. Anyway, that's another story. So, um, so Kia is like a proper writer and she's a proofreader. Thanks for laughing, mate. And um, so, so, so I, I phoned Kia because she like writes books and I don't know how to write a book. And I said, Kia, I need to um, proofread this book. And she said, yeah, yeah, I can, I can find you somebody. I said, how much does it cost? She said, well, if you want someone who's a bit shit, it's like a penny a word. But if you want someone who's all right and they'll probably get it done, it's three pence a word. I'm passing on all this knowledge because someone in this room should write a book. It's really good fun. So this, she said, anyone who's like mint, it'll be five pence a word. I said, oh, class, like I'll, I'll do that. Cost like what, three pence a word? That's nothing, right? It's 107,000 words. So it's like 1,500 quid to print the book, uh, to, to proofread the book. It's a lot more to print it. So I just got my friends to uh, proofread it. Aaron, Aaron didn't tell me he was dyslexic <laughs> until yesterday. <laughs> But thanks, mate. I, I love you. James from Waco, my good friend James. Hi. Um, he says, the breakfast wagon, discuss. Remember the breakfast wagon? So the breakfast wagon, if you went to the corner house, um, I was at Big Asda one day, and there was a woman who was selling like all-day breakfast sandwiches. Yep. And I said, do you want to come and sell all-day breakfast sandwiches at four o'clock in the morning? <laughs> and she said, yes. And she was mint, and the council stopped her like two weeks later. Bastards. That's it. Uh, there is a, um, a man called Joe Purcell has the fastest ever I've pulled, I'm off. He was in the club for four minutes. He didn't even make it to the bar. Well done, Joe. Well done, Joe. That's a good one. Matthew Fodor. Hi, Matt. As a nightclub boss, you must have seen some people in some absolute states. Is there one particular mess that you can think of that stands out above all others? Do you? Do you remember? No, but what I was going to say, I remember every week at the corner house, somebody, you'd go for a piss in the toilets, and somebody would be so drunk that they passed out in one of the cubicles, and the door lads would inevitably kind of beat the door down, drag whoever it was out. And it was always like, it was someone different every week. Always somebody that had just, like, gone out too early, hadn't had the tea or whatever, and got too pissed. Like me today. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember specifically being in the corner house one night. I used to go every week, and I was absolutely hammered. I was in that toilet, throwing up, and all of a sudden there was like a... And I was like, fuck, it's the bounces. And I just thought, it was about midnight, and I was absolutely plastered, and I thought, it's my turn. Like just, this is just, this is just, yeah. To okay, get thrown down yeah, the stairs. I'll, I'll take my, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, like, 
bread on the door. I opened the door and they were like, you need to go. And I was like, I'm, I'm aware. Come on, just drag me out. Got in my taxi home and I thought, yeah, I'll have a better night next week. But every week without, it, it would be one of my friends. It would be someone I didn't know. But somebody would always get too pissed, throw up in that toilet and the bouncers would, would kindly drag them out, outside. So that's, yeah, I don't know if I've answered that story, but nice that's one. That's good. I guess the answer was one time, yeah, it was me. I was, I was the biggest state that I had. Well done. Thanks. Congrats. This says, is Steve Foy single? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. You can ask him. He's the tall one. He's the tall one. Um, it says, I enjoyed the story of Dick Valentine. Did you ever see the photos he was sharing on the night of him and his next door neighbor enjoying beers in Dick's back garden? The photos were his neighbor, William Shatner. I know, right? What? I'm glad Dick Valentine's doing well for himself. Good big reaction from the crowd there. Last one here is just from, <laughs> from Mickey Lads, who ran Sumo Sunderland, who just wanted to give us some facts, by the looks of things. Yep. Mick, Mick did his interview in his tie. He ran Sumo Sunderland. He met his wife there. How nice is that? He met his business partner there, Ben, who ran Independent in Sunderland, and he's now the godfather of Ben's kids. M Mickey, Mickey was well like done, the Mickey. nicest kid. And he's he, great, um, yeah. So Kim, Scottish Kim, who you'll remember, Scottish Kim and I ran Sumo Sunderland for like a year, and then we desperately needed to find somebody. So we, we, we sat at a table in the local Weatherspoons and we interviewed people for the job. And Mickey turned up in a shirt and tie. And um, he's a good guy. Yeah, great. He's a very good guy. Any more? Any more on your list? Um, who was the best apprentice ever? I think we all know the answer to that question, Dana. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> I know. No. Um, I think that might be it cool. who is the best local band you ever booked glass avalanche <laughs> well no cheer fucking hell are these mic are these microphones on <laughs> I only said it because you're here um yeah i think that's it yeah great and anyone in the room got any questions this is going to be followed by a deathly silence this is a live podcast so if you shout anything out you'll be on the internet forever this is your last chance. Laura Mason, mixtape, Paul Jen has his hand up. <laughs> Who's the worst band? I don't know. That's quite hard, actually, because um, we put on some awful bands. I just can't think of any particularly one bad one. Do you know what? Like, controversially, right? So we booked... Um, Neil Buchanan's band, you know Neil Buchanan from Art Attack, he has a band and um, everyone was so buzzing and he was proper lovely, he was the nicest guy yep. and he, he went to the face painters and he was doing like Art Attack logos on people's arms and his band, who are called Marseille, Marseille um, they're just terrible yeah, they're <laughs> and I can say that now because, yeah, they're really expensive as well, really expensive, you know, yeah. big, uh, what did you say, fuck what? He fucked your drum kit up. Was it your drum kit? <laughs> Were you the support band? No way. I'm fucking crazy. If are. anyone's read the book, you know the guy that I was buying drugs off and he just sent some random old woman? That was <laughs> I fucking fooled <laughs> I was like, can you get me some drugs? He was like, yeah, mate, yeah, yeah, I'll be there in half an hour. Just some fucking woman turned up. Yeah, I remember that. I've got some great drug stories that I probably shouldn't record. <laughs> Tell us your favourite drug story, Rick. Um, once played in the rock box. And we all remember, I don't know if you remember. Kid Life Band. Um, I was quite good friends with their two. I ended up really good friends with their two manager, not because of this. But he, um, 
Yeah, he came up to me one night and he said, um, he said the guys are like, love it. They can't believe they could get a Jager bomb for £1.50. They were like, he was like, they want to get fucked up tonight, like, like messy. And I was like, okay. And he was like, they want some stuff. And obviously when you're a tour manager traveling, you, you, you don't know quite know what a stage manager is going to be like or whatever. I said, yeah, 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 what, what stuff? And he was like, you know, like some stuff. And I was like, I know, I know what you're trying to say, but I need specifics. And he went, just fucking loads of drugs. And I was like, right. Again, I was like, I, you know, I know some people, but I was like, I, I was like, but again, I could do with knowing what he went. And he was like, if I just give you 200 quid, can you just get me a, a bag of, like a, pi- like a, a pick of mix? Yeah. He was like, just some pills, some kets, some MDMA. He was like, just shut it all in. I was like, it's beyond my, uh, yeah, compu- like, I, no, I don't think I can do it. I was like, I can give you some phone numbers and you can sort it out yourself. So that's my drug story, I guess. I had a band once ask, because I, I, I just don't do drugs. I don't know anything about drugs. Allegedly, by the way. So <laughs> yeah. And um, I had a band ask me for some class A's. I, I won't do the accent, but they were Southerners. So they're like, oh, can you, get me some, band? can you get me some class A's, mate? So I went to see, um, I went to see the, uh, a person in senior management. And I said, oh, they want some class A's. That's I don't know what out, that, by the way. I don't out. know what I don't know what that is. And this guy was like looking at me laughing. He was like, What do you think class A's are, Phil? I was like, heroin? <laughs> I didn't know. He was like, I'll just I'll phone a guy and get some heroin for the band. <laughs> and he gave me a little bag of white powder. And I was like, here's your class A's. We should probably stop it there, right? Yeah, yeah, let's end it there. I just want to say, um, Thanks so much for taking the time to read the book. For me, it was like reading an entire like section of my life that I, I hold quite dear. And it was interesting reading it back. There was lots of stuff I forgot in there um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, so well done. I know it's not an easy process. So nice one. Thanks a lot. And that was one hour. We did one hour. I'm sorry, Dana. She said don't do an hour, but we did. Right. We're going to play some old songs and have some beers. And thanks for listening. Yeah, go get pissed. Have a good night. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>